Okay. Good morning. Okay, hi, friends. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Um, What a beautiful day. Thank the Lord for spring and sunshine and warmth. Um, Before we get started, I'm actually going to pray for us one more time. Um, Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for a reminder that you make all things new. Lord, would you bless this time together? Would you um, speak truth through me? Would truth be spoken and heard here today? In your son's name we pray. Amen. I grew up in what I am calling, I'm moving this, I'm sorry, Um, sim away. Um, I grew up in what I am calling the Veggie Tales era. You remember the um, talking vegetables? They would tell Bible stories and maybe teach them like moral lessons. Okay, so there was this one episode of Larry Boy. Now this is when Larry the Cucumber is a superhero. Okay, so that one was called the Rumor Weed. This child asparagus and his carrot friend tell a rumor about a grown-up asparagus named Alfred. The rumor is that he is a robot. Now, it's a show about talking talking vegetables, so a talking weed isn't really that far of a stretch. Alfred had made a comment about needing to recharge his batteries, and the kids take it quite literally. The show goes on, and the rumor weed feeds on the rumor about Alfred. The weed morphs the story, makes it worse, and tells all the vegetables in Bumbleberg about it. Over and over again, she finds a new vegetable and she says, did you hear the one about Alfred? Before long, this one little rumor about Alfred has the whole town freaking out. Now, he's not just a kind asparagus that has made a silly comment about batteries. He's an evil robot determined to take over their town and they should all be afraid of him. That one little rumor that seemed harmless, starting with some children vegetables, caused chaos around the whole town. This one Sin between two children caused a great division within the town. Our sin does that as well. Not only does our sin affect our souls, but it affects those around us. If we do not put to death our old self and put on the new self, our relationships will continue to be broken. We can assume that there were issues in the Colossian church with divisions within the body of Christ, or verse 11 wouldn't be necessary. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. My main point today is this. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, I can live in unity within the body of Christ. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, I can live in unity within the body of Christ. Here's the problem. Our sin causes divisions within the body of Christ. We're going to start in Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. We're going to use these two verses to kind of outline the rest of our lesson today. I'm going to read, um, starting in verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here's how we're going to structure this today. The old, the new, the renewed, the relationship. Let's start with the old. Read along with me, starting in Colossians 3, verse 5. We're going to read through verse 8. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. These are examples of the old self. They're really split into two, kind of, two categories. Sexual sin and sins of speech. Now, we could pause here and try to decipher specifically what Paul is addressing at the church in Colossians, but I think it would be a waste of our time. The beauty in the vagueness is that we don't know and can easily hear this being said to us today. If we knew the specifics, it would be easy for us to say, oh, well, I'm not doing that. Paul starts with a harsh command in verse 5, put to death. Death, as we know, is permanent. We also know the frustration of really trying to put us into death and not finding complete success. Here is where we could easily get discouraged. But right before telling us to put our sin to death, Paul reminds us of what Christ has done for us. Let's read verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our old self has died. Present tense, is dead. Our old self died with Christ on the cross, and we are hidden or kept safe with Christ in God. Paul is intentional about reminding us of what is true before giving us this command. Putting to death our sin is possible because it's already happened. Because of Christ's finished work on the cross, my sin has already been defeated. My old self has died with Christ. Yet on this side of heaven, I continue to fight my old self. I continue to do my best to conquer sin knowing, one, that I won't, and two, that Christ has. We're fighting a battle that has already been won. I participated in this declutter challenge in January. So on the 1st of January, you get rid of one thing. On the 2nd, you get rid of two things. And you end up getting rid of like 500 things. I'm not sure. Um, As the days went on, though, it got harder to find stuff. So finally, I had to deal with this closet that I call my appliance closet. A few years ago, my husband and I decided to kind of like rearrange in our kitchen. And I needed a place to put appliances. I hate things on my counters. And so... It puts them away, but I can still get to them, okay? But I needed to go through it. So I started pulling everything out, made my husband help me, and we made piles. A giveaway pile, a trash pile, and a put-back-in-the-closet pile. Well, there was this one thing in there that I just couldn't decide where it went. I remember turning to my husband and saying, I'm just not ready to get rid of it yet. It's still there right now. I've used it twice. Didn't, I didn't permanently get rid of it, so it's still taking up space in that closet. When we don't put off our sin completely, it stays. Maybe we don't see it or do whatever it is often, but it's still there. If I don't permanently get rid of it, it still affects me. The difference here is that Christ has already gotten rid of my sin. My fight is not in vain because there has already been victory. What are sins of your old self that you're not getting rid of? Maybe you've excused your gossip as concern or spoken angrily because they deserved it. Maybe you're watching TV shows or movies that are affecting your view of God's design for sex because they have a good story. Are there sins you can think of right now that you are not actively fighting to put to death? The new. Read along with me starting in Colossians 3, 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The new self and the old self are not opposites. For them to be opposites, I need to be able to get completely rid of the old self to put on the new self. Notice that Paul doesn't tell us to stop sinning. He's already told us that with the old self. Not only are we to put to death our old self, but we are also to be putting on what is new. The new self isn't an assumption of sinlessness. It is about the way we handle sin. This new self isn't an assumption that there is no sin. It is assuming a posture that is dealing with sin the way Christ would. The new self is becoming more and more like Christ. It's putting on more and more of his character. My husband has some family in Wisconsin. They're northerners, so they've got some accents. They do not say y'all, and they don't understand monograms or smocking. We were up there last summer, and we spent three full days with them. That's a lot of time. We don't typically spend that much time with them, but we, it was fine. Um, by the third day, though, I realized I was, I was talking kind of like them. Instead of my typical southern twang, I was saying things like, don't you think we should do? And I can't even do it well right now, but you're, you're getting it. It's been so long, but I began to mimic the accent because I was around them. The more time we spend around people, we begin to pick up their quirks and their accents. It's the same thing with our new self. The more time we spend learning and knowing who Christ is, the more we are putting on his character. The new self I am putting on is compassionate towards others all the time, but especially when they sin. It's bearing with one another when they're different than me and when they sin. It's forgiving each other when we sin. It's not compounding one person's sin by adding on to it. This new self loves the way Christ loved, lovingly calling people to relationship and repentance. There would be no need for the new self if I was able to get rid of the old one. Because of Christ's finished work on the cross, the new self is possible for me. How? Because I am being renewed. The renewed. I mentioned this before, but you can't put on someone's character that you don't know. Read along with me, starting in Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Seeking the things that are above teaches me more about who Christ is. This process of putting on the new self happens as I spend time getting to know him. When I focus on eternal things instead of earthly things, I can be renewed in knowledge after the image of my creator. Without Christ, I am incapable of defeating sin. Without Christ, I am stuck. I am not being renewed. The Holy Spirit is not working in me. It's hopeless. With Christ, I am given his righteousness. I am declared righteous, and that cannot be taken away. With Christ, I am given the helper, the Holy Spirit, who works in me to make defeating sin and putting on the new self possible. With Christ, I can see fruit from my labor, even if it is small victories. Think back to who you were 10 years ago. Can you see any victory over sin in the last 10 years? Think about some of the small victories you've seen. And thank God for allowing you to see the fruit of your labor. With Christ, I'm fighting a battle that has already been won. I was on the cheer team at Houston in high school. Every year we competed three times, regionals, state, nationals. The goal of regionals and state was twofold, one, to win, and to get a bid to go to nationals. 
You had to place within the top two or three to get a bid to nationals. Well, when you do really well at nationals one year, you're already you're given your bid for the next year. So regionals and state don't matter. That happened to us more than once. Houston is known for some pretty excellent tier teams. Um, when that happened, we knew that the goal, getting a bid to nationals, had already been accomplished. However, we worked hard and practiced all the time to perform well at regionals in state. Instead of slacking off because we knew we'd already accomplished what we needed, we continued to work hard. Because our old self has died and there is victory over sin and death, we fight our sin hard as we are renewed. The victory is what keep, motivates us to keep going. The relationship. Now, if you remember, my main point today is because of Christ's finished work on the cross, I can live in unity within the body of Christ. Let's look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We've spent time on putting to death our sin, putting on the new self, and what it means to be renewed. Paul doesn't stop there. Paul is telling us that our sin does not only affect us, but it also affects our interaction with those within the body of Christ. Think of a ripple effect. One drop causes a ripple across the pond. A local church is a good picture of this. We know of many churches locally who have been devastated by the sin of a staff member that have struggled to recover after these sins were brought to light. We've seen how division over non-essentials can take out entire congregations. Some of you here are at Grace of Anne because of the pain division within your church caused you. By the grace of God, that hasn't happened at Grace of Anne. Our local church is a microcosm of the worldwide church. It's a place we can put unity into practice. I think Grace of Anne is a good example of unity within the body of Christ. Dr. Young leads the charge here. Many of you know that I'm on staff, and I can honestly tell you that Dr. Young really does value unity. He values a respect for the authority that's in place. He values staying in our lanes. He values constructive guidance and a sharpening of one another. He preaches that from the pulpit. We don't fight over non-essentials. We strive for community that is open and honest, truly doing life together. We're taught to learn, love, and grow together as a body of believers. Praise the Lord for his protection over Grace of Anne. More personally, how many of you can think of a time where someone told you one thing about a person, and the next time you saw that person, you felt weird around them? You didn't even know if what was told to you was true. But then you felt weird seeing them in the church hallway. I can relate to the sins of speech. I love to talk, and it's easy for me to say something that I heard from someone else, whether or not I know if it's true. I can be quick to anger when something or someone disrupts my plans, or talk badly about someone just because it's what everyone's doing. These things cause division, and they must be put to death. Are there things coming to mind right now that make you realize you are contributing through sin to division within the body of Christ? The only way any of us can fight sin and love others the way Jesus did is because of the renewal that is happening within us due to Christ's finished work on the cross. Because of Christ's finished work on the cross, I can live in unity within the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for um, this group of women. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for Colossians. Thank you for the words of truth. And um, Lord, would we leave today with something that has pricked our souls and would be, ch- we'd be changed because of it. In your son's name we pray. Amen.